So thank you very much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Work Hard, Retire Early podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joseph Hadaway. And on today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Rodman Schley. Rodman, got to say your resume really matches up well with what I like to talk about on this show. I mean, you're a real estate investor, a serial entrepreneur, and you have a heavy focus on personal growth and mindset improvement. It's really what we're all about. So how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm really happy to be on the show today. Hey, really appreciate you taking the time to come on. So I gave you a brief bio there. What else can you tell us about yourself? Well, so, you, you know, I, I do a lot of things. A lot of people ask me, they say, you know, Rodman, what do you, what do, you do for a living? And it's really a, a difficult question to answer. But uh, at the end of the day, more than anything, I'm, I'm doing the things that I love, the things that check the boxes for me. Uh, yeah, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've had a lot of businesses over the years. Uh, I'm also a real estate investor. I, I started as a broker at a pretty early age. I was about 18 years old when I went to school, uh, decided to go into the real estate thing to pay my way through college and uh, bought a property there while I was going to school, uh, rented the rooms out while I was uh, taking classes and such, and uh, having somebody basically pay for my mortgage while I was going to college. Uh, at the end of that gig, uh, I sold that property. We doubled our, our, our uh, I doubled my investment on that uh, uh, the property that I owned. And it was one of those things that kind of triggered something for me in real estate. You know, what, what can you do in real estate to really make money? And so I got into buying and flipping for a while, really, really enjoyed buying and flipping. But the one thing that I realized is that became more of a job. It was buying a property, selling a property, finding the next property. And then you kind of rinse and repeat and rinse and repeat. And what I was really missing out on was a lot of the passive revenue uh, that you can create with real estate. And that's kind of when you, when you have something that you're having to go out and do something over and over again, that's how you become more of a, a job than you do something that's passive, that sets you free, that, that helps you, you know, that, that earns you money while you're going on vacation. So I'm a big advocate of creating passive income. Um, but at the end of the day, when it comes to the, the personal growth, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, don't be doing it. Uh, number one. And number two, you know, if you're not willing to do the work, don't expect the returns. I, I can't tell you how many people come to me and say, uh, I want this, or I want that, or I want the car, or I want the house, I want all these things. But they're just not willing to do the work. Um, life isn't like that. You got to do the work if you want to get to where you want to be in life. Amen to that. I 100% hear you on that. Nothing, nothing just happens, you know. Um, if it's worth anything, it's worth working for, to say the least. So um, I've uh, structured this interview into three parts um, based on, you know, the three topics, the entrepreneurship, the mindset, and um, the real estate investing. Not exactly in that order, but I, I would like to start, you know, with your entrepreneurship journey. Because, of course, I do my research before these, uh, before these episodes, and you've been a lifelong entrepreneur starting your first business at uh, 12, wasn't it? Yeah, 12, 12 years old. That was my first taste. And, you know, I, I grew up in Nebraska, so I was kind of a small town Nebraska kid growing up. And there wasn't a lot of opportunities, but uh, very rural, very, very agricultural. And my dad had me out cutting what they call thistle. It's a, a weed. And I'd get up about, you know, really early in the morning, four or five in the morning before the sun came up. Uh, we'd be out cutting these weeds down. I got $3.10 an hour. And it was just miserable, miserable work. 12 years old, came home, complained all the time. My dad said, listen, I'll cut you loose. You don't have to go to the job if you can find a way to replace that income. Uh, so I went out and uh, I don't know if they ever gone through a, a community and you see people have their street addresses out on their curbs. 
So I got a car mat cut out of stencil and I started going door to door uh, offering to cut uh, or to uh, paint people's addresses on curves for five bucks a curve. Immediately, I was doing about five of those an hour. So I was making 25 bucks an hour versus three ten an hour. Uh, and I said, you know what? This entrepreneurship is, is for me. Uh, I can dictate how much I make. I can dictate my hours. I can dictate my wages. So it was a really early lesson at 12 years old to be learning. Uh, but it's kind of set the foundation for, for my entire life, uh, knowing that, you know, I don't need that nine to five job, knowing that I can go out and create my own opportunities, knowing that if even if things are going wrong, I know how to go out and make that money to, to support my lifestyle, to support my family, to support what I want to do. Uh, so it's, it's been a great journey. I've had a lot of businesses since then, uh, everything from a, a production company to a, I uh, was a part owner in a uh, international poker tour for a while that I really enjoyed. Wow. Uh, yeah, we were acquired by the, the World Poker Tour, the WPT, uh, about four or five years ago. Uh, but I've done a lot of fun, fun things. And, you know, it's all about the journey, you know. Uh, if it doesn't check the boxes for you, you shouldn't be doing it, right? Uh, and entrepreneurship's just always checked a lot of boxes for me. I love that, you know, even it's your last point on checking the boxes. And I'm going to throw this out there. Um, I just hope somebody gets the reference. So painting curbsides, one, I know one of the more popular Simpsons episodes, Bart does that. And it's a whole thing. So when I was reading your bio, that's the first thing I thought of. I don't know. I, if, had, I had no idea that Bart did that. That's like, uh, that's fantastic. He must have got the idea from me. Uh, they're known to steal. <laughs> so, or, you know, predi or, or predict. Amen to that. So, you know, get, getting back into it, you know, um, also in you know, the bio I read, you know, you've said that you built over 25 companies now. And I mean, you just named a couple that obviously have gone to significant success. Um, so, I mean, like, what would you say is, you know, like the biggest mistakes you've made over the years or the biggest things you've learned for other upcoming entrepreneurs to learn from or mistakes not to make? Yeah, you know, I would say one of the big, the big things that I learned fast was, uh, I think I did a little bit too much, right? I mean, I, I had a lot of companies, I was running a lot of them at the same times. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're doing a lot of things, and I'm, I'm a person who just does a lot of things, but unfortunately, you become very average at a lot of things very quickly. But when you're really focusing in on a thing or a couple of things at one time, and you can be exceptional at those things because you give them the time that they need to really be successful. And so, you know, whenever somebody says, well, I want to go start a lot of businesses, I say, you know, why don't you start here, start on step A or start B, start with a couple of businesses, get really, really good at them. Uh, the ones that I really was able to really give my time and my energy and my focus to were the ones that I had the, the, the biggest success uh, when I went out to sell them, when I took them to market. Uh, the returns on them were just uh, overwhelmingly phenomenal, but it's because I had the time, the energy, and the focus to really make them good. Uh, so I would say, you know, if you've got that entrepreneurial spirit, don't think that you have to go out and build 20-some companies. You just don't have to do that. I mean, if you go in and find one good one that you can really love doing, <laughs> Number one, because it's got to check the boxes for you. Don't do it if it doesn't check the boxes for you. Go in, be really, really good at doing it uh, and grow something incredible. I mean, you know, I, I think some of the biggest mistakes entrepreneurs have, and I'm, I'm guilty as charged on this, but uh, we're always looking for that next big thing, that next shiny object, that mm -hmm. next big opportunity. And we really struggle to be able to say no at times. 
And I think I learned that more than anything, probably even in the last 10 years to be able to say, you know what, it looks great. It sounds awesome, but no, you know, I'm just too uber focused on this, this thing that I'm growing now or this thing that I'm working on right now. Uh, because you'll, you'll get, you'll start to go down a lot of paths and, and have some regrets and some of the things that you might get yourself into, because maybe it's not a heartfelt uh, opportunity. Maybe it's something that doesn't feel good for you, uh, but you were doing it because maybe you thought it'd make a lot of money or it'd be a, a, a good hit for you. I definitely hear you on that side. I guess, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Sounds like you're working on a uh, work smarter, work more focused, not harder kind of mindset. Well, you always, you know, there, there is a lot to be said about working smarter and not harder, right? And, you know, there's always ways that you can go in and even, even the most complicated things, you always want to think, of how, how can I work smarter? But saying no and being able to focus in on something that you love and that you want to grow uh, is what I would recommend over and over again. And, and then, you know, if you feel like you're knocking it out of the park with that one thing and you've got your, your systems and infrastructure in place, you want to do another one? go for it, but uh, be really darn good at that one thing you've started on first. And I, I feel like, you know, that goes back to what you said at the very beginning, you know, do what checks the boxes. Yeah, I've got, I've got like a four things. I've got four things that I, I made a list of and any opportunity I look at, if it doesn't check those boxes, I don't do it. I say no to it. If it checks three, it's out. It's got to check four boxes. Uh, and if it doesn't do that, then, you know, uh, I'm looking for the next opportunity. If you don't mind me asking, uh, what would those four boxes be? Well, for me, of course, you know, you want to, you always want to capitalize on your skill sets, right? So I've always been uh, a real estate guy. So I, I, I know real estate inside and out. It's my thing. I understand investment philosophy. So real estate investments, my first, uh, my, my second thing is it's gotta be inspiring and not when I say inspiring, it can't just be inspiring to me. I want it to be inspiring for all the people that are around me, uh, people that I work with, people that I talk with. I, I want them to have that too. Uh, the other thing is I, I want to travel. Like I love traveling, right? And so if it's not an opportunity that doesn't allow me to travel, if it sticks me in an office, if it sticks me somewhere that I don't want to be, uh, I, I don't want to do it. Uh, and then the last thing is, is, is teaching, right? So um, I, I love to teach. I love to take what I know and my knowledge, and I, I love to pass that on down. I, they say that you've got basically three phases in life, you know, in that first phase, you're out there learning. Mm -hmm. I'm learning all this information. I'm learning what I want to do, learning how I want to do it, uh, learning the techniques behind it. Uh, and then the second one, the second phase is you're, you, you get to the point where you're starting to execute on those things that you've learned. You're, you're actually applying them, putting them into practice. Uh, and then there's phase three, which I'm, I'm kind of moving into phase three myself right now, where you want to take all those things that you've learned and you want to give it back to the next generation of uh, entrepreneurs, the next generation of uh, investors. And so I, I really wanted to make sure that uh, anything that I was doing, I was also teaching uh, what I've learned over the years. Because think about it. Think about how many people um, go through these learning curves, these really long learning curves to mm -hmm. figure something out, right? But if you can take somebody and you can really help them kind of shorten that learning curve, help them evolve exponentially, uh, I, I think that's a gift. I really like that. And one thing I, you know, I do want to mention that I never heard you say is, you know, you're listing your four things. At no point did I hear profit come up. At no point did I hear how much money can I make? 
it's mm. that drive to help others and do what you're interested in. Yeah, the, the money will always be there. The money will always come. I mean, if you align yourself properly, and, and like I said, chase those heartfelt items. If you really go after those things, the money is just naturally going to come uh, because you're going to be good at it. You're going to be passionate about it. People are going to be inspired by what you're doing. And you're just, you're just going to be you're just going to make a lot of money doing it. I mean, I don't even know how else to say that. I mean, it's one of those things that people, people, if, if they're looking at the dollars first, if the dollars are the first thing on your list, I'm telling you that they're, they're going to be the last thing that's going to come to you. But if they're, they're, they're passion, heartfelt items on your list, um, that's how you're successful. I hear you on that. Yeah. I mean, and I've heard that I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs, of course, on this podcast and I, I love every time somebody says that because I do like some personal coaching on the side or I interact with a lot of people on social media who are like, well, I don't really want to do this because I love it, but it didn't make any money. I'm like, well, then do it on the side, have some fun, check some boxes, you know, mm. it's yeah. not money comes and goes. Um, Dr. Amanda, I can't think of her last name and I'll probably fix this in editing has a long seminar about that. How I recommend to anyone listening, you know, do what you do and learn to attract money around it. Don't, find money and try to attract fun and mindset because it's just not going to work yeah the, the majority of people who put money first never get it and then they're always wondering why they say well I, i've got all this energy i want to be rich i want to make all this i want to the thing about it is is the money's always secondary um mm -hmm. it's not i'm not saying it's not important i'm not saying you know you shouldn't be chasing you know really being successful but if you if you go after what you want to be doing uh, and then you have a really well-structured plan and making it not making it about the people, the people around you. I mean, the, the thing about it is, is so many people are all about how can I get that money out of that person's pocket and in my own pocket. But the thing about it is, is you got to figure out if you want to get the money to come from that pocket to your pocket, you got to figure out how to number one, put the value into somebody else's pocket. How did I help them grow? How did I help them succeed? How did I lift them up? How did I give them, you know, the, the value that they need to be successful themselves? Uh, and then you'll you'll always eat. You'll always be, you'll always do well. It really does always come back to value. Yes. And I'm gonna you know segue out of that. You mentioned I don't know three questions ago. I don't know exactly where I'm at. Um, that you are a big real estate guy, hmm. and you used to. Oh well, I did not know this beforehand. So you house hacked your way through college. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, I went to school, I didn't have very good resources at that time for, for college, but I had a little bit of money. So I used that money instead of giving it to the campus, I used it to buy a house, uh, rented the rooms. And uh, that's, how, that's how I got started at 18, fell in love with real estate, such an, uh, an incredible investment tool, if you look at it historically and what it does. Um, and so, so yeah, it was one of those journeys that, uh, when I went to school at 18, I wasn't thinking, hey, I'm going to go be a real estate guru or a real estate investor. But uh, nonetheless, 30 years later, here I am. And it's, it's been a wonderful journey. That's what I've heard from so many real estate investors here. It sounds, you know, from what I've heard, I've personally don't hold any real estate working on it. <laughs> but it, it sounds like, a, you know, an amazing asset class. I'm yet to hear anyone tell me don't do it. <laughs> Well, go back and look at look at historical property values. I mean, go back, you know, 30 years ago, I think about the properties I was matter of fact, I was uh, 
in at Charleston, South Carolina yesterday, and uh, I was with another valuation expert out there, and he was telling me about how uh, they had sold uh, their home, the childhood home that he had taken me by, uh, by that day. They sold it for like $60,000 back in the late 80s, right? And it just happened when we drove past it, it was for sale again, right? But it was for sale at, it was like $1.5 million, right? And you think, well, and, and now even you look at uh, a real estate and you go, well, and probably back then, you know, you thought that was probably a lot of money, yeah. you know, because he even said, he goes, when, when we sold that house, my dad thought he was making so much money and he couldn't believe what they were paying for it, right? Um, but historically, if you look at property values and you look at real estate, it's just mm -hmm. generally increasing. I know there's bubbles. I know you, did, you can have some ups and downs and some cycles and some, some declines. But if you look at it overall long-term, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic investment vehicle. And that's an insane return, 60 grand to 1.5 million over 40 years. Let's see how the S&P 500 did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I say my, my, my dad, you know, he had an opportunity to buy our house uh, when we lived in Huntington Beach, California. Mm -hmm. uh, they offered him a, and this was back in the late 60s, but they offered him this, uh, this ranch style house for $27,000, uh, you know, in, in, in Huntington Beach. It's uh, today, I mean, you're, you're well over a million dollars on a property like that. So it's going to cost you a hundred just to go out to breakfast in Huntington Beach now. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, you, know, you you've switched from, you know, fix and flip to more of like a long-term rental kind of investment. Yeah. So we're doing, uh, you know, I'm setting up a, a, a capital investment fund right now. We're going to be doing a, a bunch of a VRBO type property, short-term rentals, uh, stuff that you'd put on the Airbnbs and such. And I, I've done a bit of that in the past because it really does provide more of that passive income opportunity. But like I said earlier, it checks a lot of boxes for me, right? The travel box gets checked. Uh, the investment box gets checked. I teach about how to buy these types of properties and, and hopefully inspire people to do it. I hear you on that. I, I'd like to, you know, move into, you know, kind of like a, a fundamental standpoint. When you're looking for these short-term rentals, VRBO, Airbnb, what, what are you looking for in the properties that you decide to buy versus when you maybe decide not to? Yeah, no, and the thing about it is, is a lot of people, when they look at a VRBO type property, a short-term rental, uh, they're not using real good income fundamentals to decide if they want to buy a property or not buy a property. It's it's one of those things, a vacation home. Uh, think about most of the buyers. It might be their first, second you know, home that they're buying. It might be their first investment property, uh, but they don't quite understand the investment fundamentals behind buying the property. Uh, so some of the stuff that I really like to teach people is how to think like an appraiser. When I'm going in and looking at these properties, there are so many things, and I've got an appraisal background. I've been a commercial appraiser for years and a residential appraiser and being a broker and everything. But, but to really understand the, the, the income fundamentals behind making a good choice of property. So there are, there are a lot of different things that you need to look at uh, when you're going into these markets. And the first thing that you got to do is you got you to think about these properties like a business. A lot of people think of them just as a, you know, as a second home. And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes if your fundamentals are simply, uh, I'm not looking for the big returns on this. Uh, if I could break even on it, that would be great. Uh, maybe they have a specific market that they like better than others. It's like uh, that, a ski market they like or a beach market they like. Uh, but to give you an example, uh, I, I've always, one of my favorite places to go is, is Manhattan Beach, California. Um, so 
I go out there a lot. I spend a lot of time out there, but the income fundamentals on buying a property, man, hadn't be, they're, they're not that great. Um, the, it, it has to do a lot with, of course, the affordability factor. Yep. Uh, but when you go to a market, there are several things you got to look at, right? You want to look at the amenities in the market. Of course, everybody goes for something different. Uh, whether you like to ski, whether you like to surf, whether you just like to sit on the beach, you got to kind of identify what markets have to offer, right? Uh, affordability is a huge uh, issue. Like I was saying in Manhattan Beach, uh, you might be able to get four or $500 a night in rental rate. Uh, but at the same time, to get into a property there, it might be $3 million. Nope. So at the end of the day, you might be getting a, you know, a two, 3% return on your investment versus a high potential market with a little bit more affordability to it that can get you a 10%, 15% type of return. Uh, what's the demand? What are the zoning regulations? That's important. What's the revenue growth been like or the seasons? I mean, uh, take Colorado for an example. I'm in Colorado. Uh, you've got the ski season, which is great uh, in the mountains. And then you've also got the summer season, which does good. But then Nobody goes there during the fall. Not, not hardly anybody goes there during the spring. So you have a lot of vacancy at that time. So seasonality is a really important issue. And I, I think it's, you know, insane. You know, you just named 10 factors minimum of what you look for in a short, short-term rental. And, you know, I also know people who just put their extra bedroom on Airbnb or something. But I mean, if they don't all do great is how I'm going to choose to word that for the purposes of the podcast. Um, yeah. But, but it shows, you know, like what goes into a real estate investor's mind and what goes into all of these deals. You can't just, you know, say, oh, nice house, Denver, Colorado. I guess I'll buy it and it'll probably do well. Well, I mean, you can do that, but you're probably not going to get the investment returns that you want, right? I mean, it's one thing to buy a property, but to really understand, like, I mean, if I were going into the short-term rental market, you, you need to understand the lingo and the terminology. You need to know what ADR is, which is the average daily rate. And then I need to know, how do I calculate what my average daily rental income is going to be when I put this on the market? What's the market uh, occupancy? How often is my property going to be occupied? What, what are the expenses going to be? Understanding, you know, how you, you can say, well, I can make, I can make $120,000 a year on this property, but if your expenses are going to be $110,000, your return on your cash is just not going to be that great. So fundamentals are essential when you're buying property. If you're, if you're really looking for a good property and some, and, and returns uh, that you're looking at in your cash, you want to really understand what the fundamentals are. I definitely hear you on that. And out of curiosity, I think like, you know, specific resources you may recommend to our listeners to look up some of these statistics. Yeah, well, there's there's a whole bunch of different resources, and of course, I again, I c come from that valuation side of things, so I'm I'm a data hound. You know, I'm I'm the kind of guy who wants to go in, really understand the market, understand what moves value. Um, you know, how can we outperform a market on top of that after we've bought the property? Um, but some of the things you want to do, and number one, you can always go to my website, which is gorodman.com. Uh, and on that website, I've got a lot of free tools there. Uh, I've got some free resources that you can be a part of and a, a community uh, that you can be a part of there to kind of understand the fundamentals. I teach a lot of the fundamentals on that website. Uh, most of them I do for free. I do do some master classes that, that are at a price, but uh, I give away a lot of free data on my website for investors. Uh, and, and in there, you can find some of the resources that I use 
because some of it's literally getting your hands dirty and doing the work. Like we, we talked about earlier, you got to go in and do the work on these. You got to uh, go out to the VRBOs and the Airbnbs and find comparable, comparable properties to compare what you want to buy to, to find out, to look at their calendars and understand how often they're being occupied. Uh, there's a thing on uh, Airbnb called Rentalizer, where you can get some of that data provided to you. Uh, it's, it's an excellent resource and an excellent tool. But unless you understand the formulas and the processes to actually take that data and then make an educated decision, uh, you're just going to be kind of doing things randomly. And the, the more that you can sit there and structure yourself to understand the fundamentals, the more success you're going to have on, on doing this and the better the returns you're going to get. I hear you on that. And uh, today, you know, another question still on the short-term rental kind of talk of things I've been wanting to ask. So, you know, you obviously hold rentals in multiple cities across the U.S. You know, do you have a different team in each city that, you know, goes in, cleans, maintenance, upkeep, et cetera? Yeah, you definitely have to set up a good team, right? I mean, the thing about it is, is you are not there. And don't be scared of that. Don't be scared of the fact that you're not there. But make sure you put the right people in place for you so that you know uh, that property is getting cleaned when it's supposed to get cleaned. Or if you do have a maintenance issue where you can get somebody on the phone and get them out there immediately, or if a tenant's there and has a problem, uh, the same thing. But the, the great thing about right now is that we've got so much incredible technology in place to make it a lot easier to own property from a distance. Uh, I mean, everything from, I mean, when we first started buying uh, short-term rentals, you know, we, we had to physically get them a key. We had a lockbox where they could open it up, get a key, go inside. I mean, now you've got digital locks where you can literally give each person a different code, pump in a code and, and, and they're into the property. Um, there's just so many different things that you can do with technology to make owning a property from a distance so much easier now. Oh yeah. It's insane what the digital revolution has done to every industry. It, it seems like anyway. I mean, 10 years ago, I don't think Twitter influencer exists. And now I can name three who I talked to this week. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. And that's why, too, you know, a, a lot of times I always talk about evolve, evolving exponentially. That's kind mm -hmm. of something that we, we talk about and try to teach people. It's like, how, how can you really shorten your learning curves and, and evolve personally and professionally at an exponential pace? We have so many more opportunities right now for learning for tying in with people that we thought we'd never tie in with before, to be able to talk to these incredible experts, to get this information. I mean, what took me, uh, you know, and I'm, I don't want to date myself, but you know, uh, back when I got started out as an entrepreneur, I didn't, you know, there, we didn't have the internet for crime any sakes. You know, I couldn't just Google something. I didn't literally go to the library at times just to get information or read a book or, you know, I couldn't just pick up, uh, uh, my, my keyboard and reach out to, a, a, a an influencer or somebody who really understands something that I don't just to ask for help. Um, and now I've got all that stuff right at my fingertips. It's, it's an amazing time. I, I mean, even here we are, because I mean, make no mistake, I, I apply the information from these podcasts in my personal life. Five, 10 years ago, this was not, this was not possible. Yeah, no, it's incredible. It's incredible what we can do now. And the last topic, I know like the, the short-term real estate topic, but also kind of even goes back to your entrepreneurship. Um, networking you know finding those right maintenance workers finding those right even like real estate agents in far off markets any tips for that 
you know, you're only going to be successful as successful as the team that you put around you. And that's in anything in life, whether you're not doing an entrepreneur, whether you're investing, uh, you always have to make sure to surround yourself with incredible people and an incredible team, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're going out into those markets, um, do your research, really make sure that you're bringing in high quality people. And I'm going to tell you this too, don't be afraid to pay a little bit more for the high quality people. Uh, because there is a difference. There is a difference in what you're getting. Uh, but make sure you're talking to the right people, surrounding yourself with the right people. Make sure you have boots on the ground to contact somebody that you can trust uh, if things are, are not going the way that they should be or somebody that can always go out and visit a property. But I mean, surrounding yourself with the right people, that's, that's everything in life, right? Whether you're, you're doing an entrepreneurial uh, project. I mean, you know, and I've, I've gone through a few that, uh, you know, we're not good fits. And it's tough. It's tough when you don't take the time to make sure that you've got somebody that you trust, that you like working with, that gets up and, uh, you know, the business partners that I've had in the past, um, you know, we, we look at each other. And if I'm ever going to err, if I'm doing something in business and I'm going to err, and I feel like mm -hmm. there's room for error in something, I will always make sure that I'm erring in my business partner's favor every single time making sure that they're going to be taken care of before I'm going to be taken care of. And, and the business partners that I choose and I've had, they do the exact same thing. If I'm going to err, I'm going to err in, in Robin's favor. I'm going to watch mm -hmm. out for him because it's so easy to get tied up with those guys who the, their entire universe just cycles around themselves. And you get somebody like that. I'm telling you what, it stunts growth. It stunts creativity. Uh, it, it stunts uh, so many opportunities that you could be having. So uh, yeah, building teams and networking and making sure that you're surrounded by the right people is essential. It's just, it's just critical to your success because one bad person can set you back. I'm telling you, it can set you back not only, a, it can set you back years. So be very selective in who you're selecting as, uh, as business partners. Be very selective uh, in what you're doing and when you're selecting your teams. And I, I'm not, I know every single person's heard this a million times. Your network really is your net worth. 100%. 100%. And then, you know, from there, moving into the last topic of the interview, last subject, uh, personal growth and mindset improvement. So, mm. you know, of course, starting out, wrapping it up into everything else, you know, do you feel that personal growth is extremely or, you know, any kind of important for your entrepreneurship journey or is it unrelated entirely? No, it's, it's a, they're 100% connected. They're 100% connected. I mean, who you are as a person directs what you do in life and how you do things in life. Um, you know, you, and I've seen it a, a million times. The, the way that your mindset is um, can, can sink the ship. It can either make you very successful or, or it can sink you. How you talk to yourself is, is so important. I mean, I, I tell you, I, I know some of the smartest people in the world and I watch them struggle at times with what they're doing with their, their professional careers mm -hmm. because they're telling themselves that they can't do it, that it's too much for them, that it's, it's something that they don't feel competent in. We all start somewhere. We, you know, there's some point in our lives where we didn't know anything about what we were getting ready to do on everything that we do, right? Yeah. So you've always just got to have that mindset of sometimes I might not know something, and that's okay. Just surround yourself with people who do or go get the confidence or go make sure that you're, you're getting the information uh, put in, into your mind and into your soul so that you can go out and you can, you can function and that you can be really good at it. Um, but it comes back to, you know, we talked about it earlier is doing the work, oh, yeah. you know, 
you got to get that mindset of I'm going to do the work. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to figure out what it's going to take to be successful. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit back and expect anything to come to me ever. I'm going to go out. I'm going to get it. I'm going to bring it in. I'm going to make sure that I'm not relying on anybody else to get this done, but me. And then if I'm successful, if I fail, whatever it might be. And I hate the word failure because you know, this. all you're doing is growing and learning off of failure. I mean, I've, I fail so many times in life, it's not even funny, but at the end of the day, overall, collectively, that's where all the success has come from, is all those times where I, I effed up, or I dropped the ball, or I didn't do as well as I should have been doing, or I let somebody down, right? You know, that's how you learn, right? That's how you get better in the first place. But you always got to be willing to say, when I succeeded, it's because of this. When I failed, it's because of this. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I, I've given it all I've got. Uh, I've taken every time I've dropped that ball or failed and turned it into a learning opportunity and I've moved forward in life. Which is an absolute, you know, great mindset to, mindset to have. Um, I recently read, and I cannot think of the name of the book. And again, this might get fixed in editing. It might not. Let me know on the final episode. Um, that uh, might even Laura D. Benedito's book three episodes ago, we talked about it. Um, instead of using the word failure, the author used the word pivots. Mm. Like I never failed. I just found a roadblock and pivoted into something else. Yeah. And I, I love that mentality and I, I love that topic and something I'm trying to implement in my personal life. I mean, I didn't fail. I learned and pivoted. Editor's note. I still have no idea what I was talking about here. If you know, send us a DM. Well, and you, you need to, you need to understand when to pivot. Uh, some, some people will hold on to something for a little bit too long without pivoting uh, and they lose time and energy. It's, it's okay. Again, it's okay to fail. You can, you can have it come to you in, in many, many forms, but the truly successful people uh, will see the failure, learn from it, and then do what he's saying, which is the pivot, and then change direction and go, go, you know, go get it in, in a different way. I mean, there's a billion ways to do things in life. Uh, not all of them are the best. Some of them are, some don't work, some do. Uh, but the quicker that you can learn it, the quicker that you can move on to the next thing, uh, the better off you're going to be, the, the more you're going to evolve exponentially, the, the, the faster anyway. Definitely 100% amen to that one. And, you know, just still on the mindset, life, entrepreneurship topics, you know, any specific tips you'd give to anyone looking to start their entrepreneurship journey, excuse me, or, you know, even just fix a toxic mindset? Well, just number one, don't be afraid. You know, um, so many people will talk themselves out of doing things before they've even taken step one, right? So, you know, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but, but make, make your list of what you want your life to look like. I mean, being an entrepreneur is just as much about the, the lifestyle it is, as it is the opportunities. What do you want your days to look like? When you get up in the morning, what's going to motivate you to get out of bed and really go and do these things? And again, it's kind of making that list and saying, you know, my list was four things. Uh, if, if it meets these four objectives and it checks these four boxes, I'm going to do it. Um, and if it doesn't, uh, it, it goes away just as quickly. But that's all because I'm trying to align my lifestyle with my business. Uh, and that's what entrepreneurs do. It's a very different mindset than that you know, when you're going to that job or, or what have you, and there's nothing wrong with having a job e either, you know, uh, people are different. People have different motivations and different goals in life. Uh, but at the end of the day, when it comes to entrepreneurship, your, your life 
it, it, it creeps into your work every single day. Those two things are, all they do is work together and talk together and, and uh, formulate together. And so to be able to align those two things perfectly so that the lifestyle that you're creating uh, is, is really intertwined uh, with the businesses that you're creating, mm-hmm. I mean, that's where you're really going to find the passion, the enjoyment. The, I mean, I, I can't even tell you the last time I have felt like I'm doing a job. It, it, it feels like 0% job. It just feels like I'm getting up and doing what I want to be doing, doing what I like doing. Um, and, and again, the money comes after that. Uh, but don't ever put the money first. Put the lifestyle and, 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 and put your, your, your heart first. Uh, take care of the other people and then you're going to just, you'll just kill it. And that's, again, absolutely amazing. That's, that's the life I feel like we're all chasing at the end of the day. Something that feels up, get, something that you wake up to and it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. And, and, you know, so many people, a, a lot of people feel that and a lot don't. Uh, I, I'll guarantee you this, though, if you do it, uh, if you just chase the money, you're just you're just not going to find that fulfillment. It's just it's just different. And, you know, I've said it 100 times over, but, uh, you know, I, I've never put money money. Money's even the furthest thing. I, you know, and people say it's easy. Well, they say, Robin, well, you've done really well. So it's easy for you to say money doesn't matter. But it's always been that way. Uh, even when I didn't have it, it is like just getting up and doing what you love and the other stuff just fell into place. It just comes to you. I love it, man. I really, I love it. I love hearing it. So you're moving into closing questions for the interview. Uh, where can our listeners find you online? Uh, again, my website's the best place to find me, uh, gorodman.com. Uh, that's a kind of a weird name, but nobody can ever spell my last name. So go Rodman was always a little bit easier than trying to uh, give you my full name and a website, but that's where you can find me. Uh, I, I've got all my social media links on there. Uh, I've got a lot of free information on there, free videos. Uh, if you want to learn more about investing in real estate, again, it's all I know. And I'm a, a data guy. I'm a numbers guy. Uh, and I love teaching people how to successfully invest in real estate, really understand the dynamics behind that. Uh, and they can find all that right at my website. And I'll make sure to link that down in the show notes below, or if you're watching on YouTube, it's in the description. Perfect. And last question of uh, the interview, what's next for Rodman? <laughs> well, this, this investment fund that we're putting together is what we're doing now. Uh, we're, we're investing, we're doing a, uh, what they call a regulation A uh, investment uh, fund, a capital investment fund. So we're going to be raising $50 million. Uh, we're going to be buying a lot of uh, short-term rental properties. Again, a number of investors already coming in into the fund. That's one of those things too. It's an opportunity. You know, if, if people are sitting there and going, well, I don't think I can invest in vacation rentals myself, uh, but they're interested in that. There's, there's other ways to do it, just like these funds, you know, people who are out there uh, investing in this type of property. Uh, so you can always invest in a fund like we've got uh, coming up. Uh, that, that's all on the website too. You can find that there, but uh, we're, we're doing what we love. We're going out, we're traveling to these markets. Uh, we've got markets, of course, we're investing in, in markets that we love. Uh, you know, places that we want to be, places that we want to travel to. Uh, and so that's what we're doing right now. Really excited about it. It's going to be a great fun. It's going to be a great opportunity. Again, I love hearing it, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Robin. Thanks for having me. You know, always an honor. Let me know if you ever want me to come back. Be happy to talk to your, to your listeners. I definitely will. I, to be honest, I think we're getting close to some part two. <laughs> Perfect. Good. Well, keep, keep, keep me in the loop. I'd love to come back. Yes, sir. Will do.
Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Work Hard to Tire Early podcast. If you'd like to see more content from us, make sure to check us out at workhardretireearly.com or on Twitter at workhardre or at workhardretireearly on Instagram. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to like the video and subscribe and hit the bell as we post new content every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see you again next week for the next episode.